This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that strives to know at least a little bit more history every day. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're talking about the most infamous movie in Disney's proverbial vault, the rarely seen Song of the South. Spoilers, you're not missing much. The day was November 12th, 1946. The controversial Disney movie Song of the South premiered at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. If you've never seen the film, and there's a good chance you haven't, it takes place in an unnamed region of the South during the Reconstruction Era. The simple story follows a young white boy named Johnny who goes to live on his grandmother's plantation. There, Johnny befriends an elderly black man named Uncle Remus, who delivers moral lessons and life advice by telling him the stories of Br'er Rabbit. Anytime Johnny runs into trouble, he consults Uncle Remus, who has a story to fit every issue and occasion. Most of the film's 90-minute runtime is live action, a rarity for the Disney studio in those days. The other 20 minutes or so features animated depictions of the stories told by Uncle Remus. In these three hand-drawn segments, viewers see how the cunning Br'er Rabbit outwits his hungry foes, Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. And in case you're wondering, Br'er is a southern dialectic take on brother, not the word briar. Song of the South has been the subject of controversy since before it even premiered. One of the primary criticisms is that the movie never clarifies the relationship between its black and white characters. Though ostensibly set during the Reconstruction era, the only indication of this comes in the last ten minutes of the movie, when Uncle Remus decides to leave the plantation, something he presumably wouldn't be permitted to do if he was still enslaved by Johnny's grandparents. Either way, the film presents an idyllic view of relations between its black and white characters, or put another way, between plantation owners and their formerly enslaved workers. There's no hint of animosity or resentment between them, and both sides are depicted as equally happy, though one group is obviously better off than the other. Aside from this rose-tinted view of history, the other main criticism leveled at the film is that the Uncle Remus character epitomizes the so-called magical Negro trope in Hollywood. This is when a black character exists mainly to dispense folksy wisdom to a white protagonist, and has little to no story or agency of their own. The discomfort from this kind of portrayal is compounded by the fact that all six screenwriters credited on the film were white even though its stories and characters are rooted in black storytelling. Song of the South was adapted from the work of Joel Chandler Harris, a white author who copied down the folktales he heard from enslaved black people and published them himself to great success. Walt Disney had heard Harris's Uncle Remus stories during his own childhood in Missouri. 
Decades later, he purchased the film rights, viewing the stories as the perfect vehicle for his company to break into live-action filmmaking. Walt had hoped to mimic the success of the southern epic Gone with the Wind, which had been released in 1939 and is still, to this day, the highest-grossing film of all time when adjusted for inflation. To help link the films in the public's mind, Walt cast Hattie McDaniel, who starred in Gone with the Wind and became the first black performer to win an Academy Award for her role in it. Walt even arranged for Song of the South to premiere at the same theater in Atlanta where Gone with the Wind was first screened. That decision embodies some of the production's deeper flaws. At the time, the city of Atlanta was racially segregated. That means that if black cast members were to attend the premiere, they would have been separated from the rest of the cast and crew. James Baskett, the lead actor of the film who portrayed Uncle Remus, chose to spare himself that indignity and did not attend the event. It would have been easy to hold the premiere in a city where everyone involved could have attended on equal footing, but Walt was chasing the prestige of Gone with the Wind, even at the expense of his own cast's comfort and dignity. A little over a year after Song of the South's premiere, James Baskett received an honorary Academy Award for his role in the film, making him the first black male performer to ever receive an Oscar. As for the box office, Song of the South made just $226,000 on a budget of over $2 million. As you can probably guess, that's a whole lot less than what Gone with the Wind made. Reviews of Song of the South weren't so hot either. The technical artistry was praised, including the dynamic animated sequences and the blending of animated characters with live-action performers, like when a cartoon bluebird lands on Uncle Remus's shoulder. However, the film's story was branded as predictable, saccharine, and pretty dull. As you might expect, most detractors focused on the film's flawed depiction of race and history. The NAACP picketed the premiere, and one of the organization's leaders, Walter Francis White, condemned the film for perpetuating, quote, a dangerously glorified picture of slavery. In his review for the Afro-American newspaper, Richard Deere labeled the movie, quote, as vicious a piece of propaganda for white supremacy as Hollywood ever produced. Despite the backlash, the film's black cast members defended their work. In a 1947 interview, Hattie McDaniel said, quote, If I had for one moment considered any part of the picture degrading or harmful to my people, I would not have appeared therein. Her co-star, James Baskett, felt similarly. He said, quote, I believe that certain groups are doing my race more harm in seeking to create dissension than can ever possibly come out of the Song of the South. Negative press aside, in the first few decades following the film's premiere, Disney routinely re-released it to theaters. The first time was in 1956, followed by return engagements in 1972, 1980, and finally in 1986. To this day, there hasn't been an official home video release of the movie in the United States. Disney no longer distributes Song of the South to theaters, 
and you definitely won't find it streaming on Disney+. But the company didn't bury the film completely. In fact, they've continued to make money off it for the past 40 years. If you're like me, you never saw Song of the South as a kid, but you did watch a Disney sing-along VHS tape that included the zippity doodah musical sequence from the film. That song won an Oscar for Best Original Song, and it took on a life of its own apart from the movie. The Jackson 5 did their take on it, as did everyone from Miley Cyrus to Louis Armstrong. It was also a fixture of the Disney parks, playing in a loop with other cheery songs, though it has been pulled from that rotation in recent years. Speaking of the Disney parks, I can't end the show without mentioning Splash Mountain, the Song of the South-themed ride that's still in operation as of 2021. The popular Log Flume ride borrows its characters, songs, and locations from the movie's animated segments and features several animatronic figures of Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear. The ride was launched at Disneyland in 1989, three years after the movie's last release in theaters. It was later copied into other Disney parks in Florida and Tokyo. The designers sought to avoid controversy by leaving out Uncle Remus and other controversial elements of the movie and sticking just to the adventures of Br'er Rabbit. As for the name Splash Mountain, that was suggested by then-CEO Michael Eisner as a strange and misguided way to promote Splash, a 1984 movie in which Tom Hanks plays a man who falls in love with a mermaid. Today, many park guests love Splash Mountain, but have no idea of its ties to Song of the South, or to Splash for that matter. However, in 2020, Disney announced that the Splash Mountain ride in California and Florida will eventually be rethemed to the 2009 animated movie The Princess and the Frog. At the time of recording, no timeline for those changes has been announced and the Song of the South theming is expected to remain at the park in Tokyo. In the years since its release, the controversy around Song of the South has grown larger and larger, partly because Disney has made the film so inaccessible, even as they continue to market and monetize portions of it in other ways. There's an argument to be made for releasing the film for posterity. It does contain a standout performance by James Baskett, and there are some lovely bits of animation and music. But by and large, the movie just doesn't deserve the infamous status it's gained. Even if you look past the racism, which is kind of the whole thing, you're left with a bland, not very good movie that would probably bore most modern children, not to mention adults. Except for Zippity Doodah, that song still slaps. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. And if you want to tell me how badly you cringed when I used the word slaps, you can register your complaint by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.